All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. everybody we just wrapped up oh my gosh the call with brendan lemieux tim that was unbelievable that was it was it was yeah it was very uh i don't i don't want to say too much because it's going to speak for itself and um but it was very good he's very calculated polished answers he was ready to talk and he was ready he knew what he wanted to say but there are some daggers in there some absolute daggers that i think people are going to find very interesting well i feel like we asked every question we wanted to All the juicy ones, all the ones, the guy's had an interesting career. He's been traded three, four times. He's had some on ice incidents that everybody knows about. I thought he was going to skirt some answers and just kind of, you know, blow brush past it and say, I don't want to talk. No, we, it it was, it was wild stuff. Like absolutely wild stuff. It was fantastic. Love talking to him. I hope you guys enjoy the interview before we get to that. I got to get the DoorDash plug out of the way because you're going to want to get some food before this interview or at least a couple beers because it's enjoyable and in order to do that and to get it to your house fast or your wherever you are your office you could be walking in a park for pete's sake doordash will deliver to you and to get it to you and you get a little save a little money on the same time you use our promo code gloves dd if you're in canada if you're in the usa gloves dd us you get 25 percent off free delivery on your first order Go to DoorDash on your phone, your app, your tablet, your computer, anywhere. I don't care how you get to DoorDash. Get there fast. Use our promo codes. GlovesDD if you're in Canada. GlovesDD US if you're in the US of A. Get yourself some food, some drinks. Whatever you want to get, DoorDash will deliver it right to your door. Fantastic company. Tim uses them. I love them. Check it out. DoorDash. Use them now. Now, all that being said, it's time to the main event, Tim. This is fantastic. We literally just wrapped up the interview. We're doing this ad right now in this intro because it's just, I'm so jacked up. I, I Here's the show. Let's go. Brendan Lemieux, everybody. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. It's not often, Tim, we get, get an interview where I, I've had some, gee, I don't know if I can call it bad blood between um, a guy coming on the show and I, or just someone calling me out on my BS doesn't happen often. Usually I say something and everyone just kind of cowers because they're scared of me. And I like it. That's, that's the way it should be. I'm a very fearful person, but this guy went out of his way to just call me out, message me, put me in my place. And I loved it. And I'm like, you got to come on the show. We chased him around a little bit and he was nice enough to come on. Brendan Lemieux 
Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us, bud. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited. Should be Are fun. you really? Are you? That's good to know. All right. So let's just, we, there's a little delay there. We'll work with it. He's in California. It's okay. He's, he looks great. But okay. So we'll start right off the back what I was talking about. The reason I say that there was some issue between us because you used to play for the New York Rangers. There was an incident right after you got traded. I think it was three weeks after you got traded, Brendan, around that time frame. Does that sound right? Yeah, two, two and a half, maybe three weeks, I think. Yeah, so it was three weeks after you got dealt to uh, the L.A. Kings. Tom Wilson rolled into town, Madison Square Garden. There was a scrum. Everybody knows the whole story. He he ragdolls Buchnevich. He cross-checks Buchnevich, excuse me, ragdolls Panarin. Just a whole melee. And obviously, everybody was talking about it. And I made a comment, and I said, this is what happens when you don't have anybody tough in the lineup. Tom Wilson just runs around like he, he owns the ice, and he does whatever he wants. And if someone's yep. in the lineup to kind of take care of Tom, he, he slows down a little bit. And then Tim jumps in, and he said, well – Brendan Lemieux, they just traded him. This would have been a reason for them to keep Brendan Lemieux. And I said, I don't know if Brendan would have uh, got Tom to slow down. I, I don't know if he would have dissuaded him. And then you, somehow, you're, you're a fan of the show, let's be honest. You, you're a diehard listener, probably since day one. I get it. Thank you for your support. You chimed in. You sent me a message. You said, uh, I, I don't I don't agree. If I was in the lineup, maybe Tom would have took, maybe taken a look. Maybe he would have uh, second-guessed what he would have done. But uh, I, I love that. You challenged me out of it, and we had a little back and forth, and that was fantastic. Now, what was your reasoning? Why did you come back? Did, were you upset at me for kind of calling you out and saying you, you, weren't, you wouldn't have done anything with Tom making a run at those guys? Well, I mean, I just think uh... – I guess it more has to do with, I think that a physical presence still makes it in hockey. Um, and I think that as a physical guy, when I know I'm going up against a, a Reeves or a McDermott or a, uh, or a Wilson or any of those guys, um, I know they're playing and I know when they're not. And, uh, and I think that there's always guys on every team that are, that are willing to go. And, and even if it's a, even if it's a middleweight or even if it's a guy that just plays hard uh, that is willing to fight and you know, you, you know that they're there and, and it's in the back of your mind every time, you know, there's a reason coaches will go through the lineup sheet or look at the board before, before games. And uh, they talk about players that are playing that night and players that aren't. Um, and they'll let guys know is because it's important to know who's on the ice. And um, I think that in that certain situation, I think, you know, Tom, Tom and I, we, we fought before, uh, and I don't remember anything like that happening when I played against them when I was with the Rangers. And I knew when I got traded that I was leaving, um, you know, the Rangers, and they were in a – they had a – there was a hole to fill. And I think Chris Drury did a great job and filled it once uh, once that happened and once he took over. But I th- I knew that there was a hole there, and – guys will take advantage of that. And I felt like that's kind of what happened. So when and you see I, I that, that, Oh, go ahead. No, I, I just think that maybe, you know, could, could I have stopped what happened on the ice? Maybe not, but there, it wouldn't have taken a, you know, a week or more than my next shift for there to be a response. And it may not have been a, the response with Tom Wilson. It may have been with somebody else. 
and that he may that may have upset him even more. So, you know, it, I just think that it, it is still important to have a physical presence on the ice, a guy that's willing to do that. And I think that um, that's why that escalated so much. If there w- might not have been as much blowback on that entire situation, if it would have been responded to immediately. And I know that if I was there, it would have been. So when you're looking at that, you're in LA. I don't know if you're on the road, but you're you're keeping tabs on your old old team, and this is a big story. Obviously, Panarin's Panarin. He's a superstar. What goes yeah. through your head? Are you are you shooting texts to the guys like, "Hey, sorry, fellas," or are you just like, "Ha ha, suck it, fellas." No, no, no. I mean, I still I still have a lot of respect for for the the players on the team, and they have nothing to do with me getting traded or how any of that went down. So. Um, I, you know, I, I didn't like to see what happened to either one of them. Um, and they're all guys that care and, you know, Brad Panarin can stick up for himself in a major way. I mean, maybe not at Tom Wilson's level, but I've, I've seen what he does in the summer. I mean, he's a tough guy and Bucci's tough too. And so those guys play hard and, and they weren't happy about what happened. So I felt bad and I felt, um, I felt kind of upset that I wasn't there to there to be able to do it, but I love it here in LA and I'm, I'm happy to do what I do for this team. And that's why I'm here is because they needed that. And so um, for whatever reason, didn't work out in New York at the time, but, um, but I, I like, you know, being here and I, I love, I love playing for the Kings and I love doing what I do here. So it's, it's always, you know, it's a weird situation to be in. It was weird the way it transpired with the everyone getting fired and whatnot. But um, it it's uh, it's just part of the business, I guess. But you never hold you never hold the teammates, or I never want them to the guys that you left or the guys on their former team to uh, to go through something like that because it just sucks. We got a whole bunch of questions here about like your journey to the NHL and some of your experiences. But before we get into any of that, you know, we teased out the interview as we always do, and you're a pretty polarizing player, especially with certain fan bases. Do you enjoy that attention? Do you like being the villain? Um, I, I don't necessarily say I would enjoy being a villain or, or the attention of it. I just play my game and, and it kind of comes. I, I think it's similar to the way my dad was. He he never intended to be a villain. He just played his game and played hard and um, had a, a big, massive work ethic and was a serious, hard competitor. And, and that's kind of what created that aspect, I guess. And so for me, it's kind of the same way. Um, I'm a different player than my dad, but I try to model my game after the way he did. And so some things happen organically and then some things uh, you more try to do, I guess the drawing penalties and the, and the contributing to your team in that way can be more of an agitating aspect that some guys don't necessarily try to do where I would more so try to do than let's say uh, I would rather get in a fight that puts our team on the power play rather than get in a fight that's at the, you know, 17 minute mark of the first period where a lot of people in the building knew that it was going to happen either way. I've always been a believer in a spur of the moment fight is more meaningful and can rally the team more so than a fight that's kind of uh, started in the warmups. The premeditated two days before the game, you know, you're going to fight. I, that was a big thing in my in my career where I hated because I knew my job, but I was more of a fighter than you ever will be. And I wasn't a good hockey player. I, I can't do what you do. And that was tough. It, it was brutal knowing that, okay, this guy's going to try to get me to fight in the first three minutes. And I, it sucked. And 
to answer the villain thing, I think it's great to be a villain. I, I would never want to go into the rink and have the fans just be totally oblivious to me being out there. I loved when I got yeah. booed. I loved when I got heckled. It means I'm doing something right. And when you play yeah. that type of game, you're you're bound to cross the line. You're bound to piss off the opposing fans. Like Boston hated me for years. I got stuff thrown at me, you know, walking down the street. Philly, I got chew jump dumped on me. Vancouver, people are flipping me the bird walking down the road. So it, it's beautiful thing. I think it just shows how mm-hmm. passionate the fans are and how much they hate you. You're doing your job, right? You're not yeah. a goal scorer. You, you, that, that's what you're there to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, mo- most definitely. And I, 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 uh, you know, there are a lot of times where I do feel effective when, when I'm, when I'm hated. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's just part of it for me. I think it's like the guy from the XFL, Tim, he hate me. It's just, you know, you don't understand him. You don't get it. All right. So let's backtrack it. You're drafted pretty much in the first round. Did that sting a little bit? First pick of the second round. Did you go, well, come on. Yeah. At the, at the time it did. Uh, I had a, my dad was pretty adamant. I was, my dad's my agent and he was pretty adamant. I was going to go in the first round. Um, for whatever reason, it didn't happen. And, uh, I had a draft party on Friday night and the draft wasn't until Saturday. So that one stung, <laughs> but, uh, you know, everything, everything kind of works out for a reason. And I, uh, I ended up in Buffalo and never played there and got traded to, uh, got traded to Winnipeg in that, in that big Kane, uh, Myers trade shortly thereafter. And then, um, and then, yeah, I was played, played a little bit in the minors there in Winnipeg for about a year and a half. And then, and then, uh, started my career and with the jets and got traded, uh, about halfway through or, or, or three quarters of the way through the morning of the deadline to New York. And then, yeah, I kind of felt like my career really started, uh, to go move in the right direction in New York for, for about, a, uh, you know, a couple of years there. And then, uh, and then, yeah, that Wilson st- stuff happened right after, uh, right after I got traded to LA. Well, you really pushed a fast forward button on your career there, mm-hmm. Brendan, we're going to back it up. <laughs> so I have a, I never got drafted. I, I have a question. I know in other sports, they have tiers of where you get drafted based on how much you make. Did you yeah. get, bumped down salary wise because you didn't get into that first round or was it all a moot point? Was it just kind of whatever you negotiate, you negotiate? Yeah, it's mute point. I think at that point, uh, I think I, I think I asked, actually, I ended up, uh, I ended up wanting a little bit more than they were willing to give me in the Buffalo there. And I didn't, we weren't sure what the direction of the team was going to be. Um, where they were headed um, with the coach and the GM and, and everything. I think they've probably turned over four GMs since I've been there. Yeah. Since I got drafted there. So we kind of, we kind of had a, a feeling that that may, may happen and it's hard to break in or know what, where the team's headed when that stuff is going on. So we just said, we were just patient and just said, you know, we're going to wait to sign a contract. And then uh, they, they wanted me to sign pretty quickly. And I just kind of said, we'll, we'll ask for the moon. And, and then if they don't want us to sign that, we'll just wait. And so we did. And then uh, as soon as I got to Winnipeg, I, you know, Dale Howarchuk was my coach in the my, in uh, in junior and Barry Colts. And uh, he was wanted Winnipeg to pick me up. He had a really good relationship with a lot of the staff there. And Winnipeg uh, believed in me and they traded for me. They wanted me at the draft. I just don't I think 
they had a very high pick and then they didn't have one till later and they couldn't really move up. So when they saw the opportunity to get and pick me up uh, shortly thereafter, they did. And then uh, I was ready to sign and, and I was excited about playing in Winnipeg. They're a team on the up uh, on their way up and, you know, they're just coming out of a kind of a rebuild. And so it was a good time for me to be there. And I'm, I'm really appreciative of my time there. I had a lot of fun, made a lot of friends that I'm still friends with now and um, felt like that laid the base for my career. And they, they do an incredible job developing players there. Um, you know, Kyle Connor, Jack Rozovic, uh, a lot of those guys are, you know, pretty, pretty great. Obviously, Mark Shifley, some pretty great NHL players now that uh, that kind of were developed um, all at the same time. Nikolai Ehlers, Patrick Laine. So we, we had a good group of young guys there for a while, and it was it was pretty cool to be a part of it. Felt like it grew my game a lot. I like hearing stories about guys making their debuts. Can you walk us through a little bit like being called up for the first time and what was your welcome to the NHL moment? Um, yeah, but getting called up, I got called up and my parents weren't able to make my first game. Uh, but thankfully I always laugh about it. Brandon Tanev was supposed to not play, but he didn't like to miss games very much. So Tanny, who's a good friend of mine now, uh, <laughs> had a miracle return to the lineup right before. So I didn't have to play, which I was thankful for um, because my parents weren't there. And so I ended up, uh, I ended up playing my first actual game against the wild at home uh, the following two days later. Um, And my parents were able to get out there and come to my first game, which I think is, I felt bad for all the kids during COVID that their parents didn't get to make some of their first games in person. Cause I think it's just a really cool experience to have your family there. And so, yeah, I remember we beat the wild and uh, I think I was, you know, M- coach Maurice trusted me and put me out there, I think with like three minutes left and, um, and it gave me a chance to actually really play uh, right off the bat. So it was pretty cool. Wasn't expecting it. And uh and yeah, and I ended up playing like I think ten or eleven games in a row uh, to start my career. I think maybe nine. I, I don't remember exactly. Um, and yeah, I think my welcome to the NHL. I think it's always when you score your first goal, and that was uh, that was my my fourth game against uh, against the Penguins and playing against Crosby. I always watched him growing up, and that was that was a surreal moment. So yeah, it's not always when you that- score your first goal, Brendan. <laughs> Sometimes that takes a lot longer for some of us. Okay. So let's not still say things that can get you in trouble, but all right. So you're in Winnipeg, you're kind of in and out of lineup for the first two seasons every year. When I was in the league, when I first retired, everyone was like Stanley cup contenders. They have all the ingredients. You got the goalie, you got the high end forwards. You have the stud defense. What, what went wrong in Winnipeg? If you could put your finger on it, what was the reason why they just couldn't get over that hump? Because they had everything you think you would need for a Stanley Cup contender. No, it's a tough league. I, I think a lot of things have to go right injury-wise and uh, in those big playoff runs. And I think that year, I actually wasn't really a part of it. I played during the regular season quite a bit. Um but wasn't wasn't up for the 
wasn't up for the playoff run there, but that year they lost to Vegas. I think, you know, a lot of things went right for Vegas and a lot of things didn't for Winnipeg. I think Winnipeg probably would have give Washington more of a run than, uh, than Vegas did in the finals there. Uh, and I just think, you know, they, they missed their window and, and it, it, and a series of unfortunate events with between injuries and some suspensions and some stuff that was maybe a little bit out of their control or, or just wasn't in the cards for them. But, um, you know, they definitely had a, I, I was, I had the pleasure of being a, a part of a, a group that was really special in Winnipeg. And it was, it was cool to, it was cool to be there. And, um, you know, if you, my opinion personally, I think they need a little bit more, a little bit more depth. Um, and be able to use more of a four-line look. I think that that always helps in the playoffs. I think that's how Tampa's been able to be so good is because they they can start their fourth line against a lot of good lines or start their third line, and they don't have to rely as, as much on the top six. But I also think that even with the way that Winnipeg um, used their, use their lineup, uh, they, they still were a very extremely effective team, and especially offensively. I mean, a hell of a power play for a long time there. Yeah, you played with Mark Scheifele. You mentioned him. You played with him in London. He kind of, I don't want to say entered, but he he was, you know, a big part of your career in London. By the way, you, you set the power play goal record in London with 25, I believe. You you took the record for my buddy Ryan Hamilton, who played in uh, London for a long time. But um, anyways, Mark Scheifele, rumors swirling about him were kind of taking a tangent. You think he stays in Winnipeg his whole career? Or do you think he wants to get out of there? What What's the deal going on with him in Winnipeg? You know, I think I think Shife ends up staying. I think he's going to get paid real well, and I think I think he's uh, he loves it there, and I think he'll end up there. And and John, it's it's Barry Colts, not London. We we uh, we lost to London. You're, you're, you're that's a that's a sore subject. <laughs> you know, I didn't play in the OHL, and I've I've been hit the head a lot of times. <laughs> Man, Tim, all right, all right. Me and my names are just so incredibly bad; it's unbelievable. But I, all right, I'm glad to yeah. hear Shifley's going to stay. Tim, write that down. We can put that in the press. As Brendan Lemieux says, he's going to stay. So lock it down. So all right, Winnipeg. <laughs> you kind of went through your history. You got traded from Winnipeg to the Rangers. Surprise! You've been traded a lot. So we're, we're going to kind of fast forward through them a little bit. A, a surprise to get dealt again to the Rangers, or did you expect it? Um, you know, I didn't expect it at all. I actually yeah. I remember sitting around uh, with a bunch of guys the night before the deadline, and obviously that's on our minds. Um, I thought they needed I thought they needed depth, and I thought they needed grit, and so I didn't think I was going anywhere. But um, it just it ended up happening and I was, I was over the moon about it. I knew, um, I knew New York had liked me in, in past years. Um, how do you and, know that? How do you know that the New York likes you? Well, I think you, you know, as well as anyone, it's ho- hockey world's a small world. And, yeah. and so, you know, with, with a dad who played and, and, uh, and a lot of friends in a lot of different, you know, places and names get thrown around. Um, and so, you know, you just have a feeling which teams, which teams uh, like your game and which teams don't and which teams you fit their, their mold. Like as a physical guy, um, which teams would need that. Right. I know I, I never thought I would be traded to the Washington capitals with a guy like Tom Wilson there who plays in their top six and has a yeah. physical presence yeah. and, and does, um, 
a, a more effective version of, of my game um, at, with, with a lot more numbers, I, you know, you don't see yourself going there. Right. But there are teams where you don't have that. And you know, say, Oh, that team could use some grit or that team could use some physical presence or that team could use some depth scoring um, on a, in a fourth line role. So, you know, you look around and you can kind of figure it out. All right. Good answer. So you go to the Rangers and you kind of hit a sweet spot. They're young guys. Capo, Caco, Lafreniere, they got some good young talent. And you get thrown on Caco's line right away. High first-round draft pick. You're coming in. How excited are you? Because you're not necessarily known for your hands and skill, and you get to play with a stud like this guy. Were you all jacked up going into New York and they're putting that much confidence in you to ride shotgun with this guy? Yeah. You know, with that comes – there's always good and bad, right? Um, you're playing with an 18-year-old. Um, so, you know, Capo is obviously an incredible player and knows how to make plays, and I threw him some absolute grenades, and he would turn them into goals. <laughs> so so uh, that part you love, but there, there's another side to the game where how effective are you playing with those type players and and uh, how, how good defensively are you as a line and, and what are you relied upon to do? And so it, it changes the dynamic a little bit, and you know as well as anyone. Sometimes, um, like I play with this year, played with uh, a, a young kid, Arthur Kaliev, and then, and then Blake Lazat, and we had a lot of success together in L.A., and, and it was just a line that worked. It wouldn't be a line that I would draw up on paper you know, right out of training camp and think this is the line that I'm going to have a, a bunch of success with or that's going to work really well. But sometimes that's just the way it works. So I think it's a chemistry thing more than anything. I don't I try to get too high or too low, whoever I'm playing with. Um, and you just kind of got to wait and see. And yeah, playing with Kako was awesome. Um, but there was a lot of line changes a lot of the time. I mean, I spent a few games on the first line in New York, and then I would find myself on the fourth line shortly thereafter, maybe a period and a half in. So you can't get too high or too low based on the lineup. What would you prefer? Because I, I hated that bouncing around, the coach. Like, yes, it's nice to be rewarded, bumped up to the th- – because I was a fourth liner. Let's not, you know, twist anything. I would get six, seven minutes a game. But it was fun to get bumped up to a third, third line every once in a while. Was it frustrating? It's like, geez, I mean, I'm on the first line. Now I'm down at the fourth. Like, what? It's hard well, to get into a group. I mean, for, yeah, yeah, I, I do agree. You know, if you're on a really good team and you're winning a lot of games, you're, you want to be in a groove. You want to get comfortable with your line mates. Um, but I think, I think, uh, I think being in a, in a situation where, where you have an opportunity to go up and maybe earn a spot and stick somewhere. Uh, that that's what I that's what I appreciated. So I got an opportunity to play a little bit on the power play. That that I appreciated because I was a pretty darn good power play player in Barry. Very <laughs> uh, nice <laughs> in Barry. Uh, and yeah, I, um, so I, I like playing in front of the net and uh, kind of doing that Pat Maroon esque type stuff and and. Um, in front of the net there as a big guy who could screen the goalie and tip pucks. And so getting a chance to do that was kind of my favorite part, I guess, about getting a really good opportunity in New York. But then, um, 
But then, yeah, bouncing around was okay because our team wasn't very strong. But I would say, like, you know, being in L.A. last year, I, I was definitely more appreciative to have a steady, uh, long stretch with the same line mates where you could develop some chemistry and really grow as a line and, and earn ice time as a line rather than an individual. And, yeah, I, I totally agree. Could Such a polished answer. I love it. Power play, New York Rangers the quarterback of the power play, the drama that goes along with it. Everybody knows what we're going to talk about. Tony Delangelo, the incident, I've heard about it. You've heard about it. The big fist fight in the locker room with Gorgiev. You were there, Brendan. Were you throwing peanuts and popcorn at everybody? Were you egging them on? Walk us through that as much as you can. What, what happened? What was the instigator? Why did that all go down? Just, just, Unpack it for me because I love this stuff. The passion in the locker room. It had to be like a wild situation. I mean, it's really not as wild as people make it out to be. Um, I'm not going to get into too much detail here because I don't, frankly, I don't know what's been said. And and I think that's more of a Tony thing uh, to speak on because it was his deal. But what I'll say is this, it, it was a comment coming off the ice and guys are heated. We just lost an OT Tony's a competitor. I, I freaking love the guy. He's one of my favorite teammates I've ever had. Um, an incredible teammate was extremely well loved by all his teammates in New York the entire time he was there. Um, didn't always, didn't always get along with everybody at, at all times, but neither do I, and neither do a lot of, you know, competitive guys that play with, play with fire balls the way he plays with and fire and, and, and our, uh, and are just warriors the way he is, especially at his size and with how much skill he has. I mean, I, I just love his game. Um, and so, you know, they got into it and, uh, and it, it really didn't escalate very much. Uh, but it was, it was just a series of unfortunate events. I think for Tony, he was on a short leash and uh, he had a reputation, I think coming in and, you know, I think that it was handled poorly. And I think, uh, I think it's too bad because New York lost out on a hell on a hell of a player and um and he missed a season almost I feel like um because of stupidity and uh something that could have easily been handled in-house by the players and and it really wasn't a, a big deal at all um and so yeah I mean that's all I'll say on it it, it was nothing and um it could have easily been swept under the rug, I think. And I think it was more about what had happened in the past and yeah. and some other incidents. But Tony plays with fire, and, and that's part of what makes him a really good hockey player. And I'm excited to see how he does in Philly this year. I think he's going to have a great year. No, oh, I think he's an all-star defense. Like, he's really good. Everything you said, I totally agree with. He's, he's a good defenseman. Love that guy. So shortly after that, you were traded to L.A., and I know you got kind of new opportunity there, but there's also a report that you requested that trade. So I guess kind of what were you seeing, what prompted that, and, and how did it work out, obviously? Can you repeat that? Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Uh, shortly after that, you were traded to L.A., and uh, there was a report that you requested that trade out of New York, and it worked out really well, obviously. But what prompted that originally? What were you seeing that you wanted to mix it up a little bit? One, another one of those things that I don't want to get too much into. I just think that uh, it was just it was more of a it was more of a coaching thing. I think at the time for me, and um, and that's that's really all I'll say. I mean, I, I don't want to get too much into. it. I love playing in New York. Absolutely had um, it was a high you know just a high point in my career. It's um, I love the fans. I felt like I was really well liked there. 
Um, couldn't couldn't love playing at MSG more. Had a bunch of teammates that I really really liked. Um, had a lot of fun there, and uh, it, it, it just it just wasn't working out for me personally at the time. And uh, I'm really happy to be in LA, but uh, yeah. it just yeah it just it just didn't work out, and, and it sucks. Uh, but uh, you know, being able to get to a place like this, I, I couldn't be happier, and I couldn't be more excited for our year this year. It was Gore. It was Georgiev, Tim. It was him. It was him again. I knew it. I knew it the whole time. Oh gosh. Oh All god. Right. <laughs> so you're in LA. You get dealt there. How relieved were you? New York's. It's a fun city. I played there. Manhattan. Lots of lights. Everything. But it's it's intense. It's a lot. I, I didn't like being in that Manhattan Times Square Hell's Kitchen. I lived in. It was it was a lot. How happy were you to go to L.A., fresh start, West Coast? You get the hair flowing, showed me your abs a little bit ago. They're looking great. Were you just excited to get out West and start fresh out there? I mean, yeah, I, I love playing in L.A. I, I spent a lot of time here. Uh, I spent a lot of time here growing up um, after my dad's career, and I, I couldn't love this place more. It's awesome. Um, living on the beach playing volleyball in the summer, playing some golf, uh, getting a lot of sun and, you know, playing Staples center isn't a, isn't a bad place to play either. I mean, it's awesome. So I, I couldn't love it more. And we got an awesome team with a great, with a, with a great top down organization, um, that's run first class and we've got incredible leadership between Kopitar and, uh, Dowdy obviously and quick, and then Brownie, who we who we lost, but uh, who's still kicking around. We saw him in the room yesterday there. So it, it's awesome to be here. I love it, and it's it's been a lot of fun. They're going to give him a job and pay him one hundred and fifty grand a year to do nothing. That's what they do to players like that. And he'll just be around. Then <laughs> he'll they'll give him a six pack before the game, and that'll that'll be his job just to hang around. So you yeah. play in a in a division with one of my favorite players besides you, Anaheim Mighty Duck. Isaac Lundstrom, what can you say about him? Because I like the way the guy plays. Um, is, he, is he as good as advertised, Isaac Lundstrom? Do you know anything about him? I know you play against him quite a bit. He Just give no me a rundown of Isaac. About. I don't know who you're talking about. Are you <laughs> Brendan Lemieux, are you crazy? The Anaheim Ducks, Isaac Lundstrom, they're pff, arguably best centerman. I don't even think he's a centerman, John. He's a forward. Unbelievable. Oh, okay. Moving on. Are you, are you, are you pulling my leg here? No, I'm not. I, I, I guess I missed the pre-scout on him. I, I talk about him every time I talk about Anaheim. I love that guy. He's so, he just resigned. You just resigned. I felt like you guys were kindred spirits, but anyways, we'll, we'll move past it. Let's talk about the LA Kings last year. You made, you made a surprising run into the playoffs. Everybody wrote you guys off a little bit at the start of the season. Oh, Kopey's getting older. Brownie's way, way too old. His time is gone. Dowdy, you know, everybody's long in the tooth. And you guys pull it together. You have an unbelievable season. The young guys step up. Your line's unbelievable. What was it like proving the naysayers wrong, getting into the playoffs and tasting that playoff action? You know, it was, it was awesome. Uh, I, uh, it, it was. I, I wouldn't say we surprised uh, anyone in our locker room. Yeah. We knew how good we were, uh, and I, I just think we've only gotten better. And I'm really excited for this year. It was. It was a fun run. We fell a little bit short there. We felt like we should have. Uh, 
we should have beaten Edmonton and we had a really good chance at home in game six. Um, and it it was disappointing the way, the way it finished, but, um, you know, it's, it's going to be fun here in LA these next couple of years. And Kopi's definitely not too old. I'll tell you that he's uh, he's a horse takes good care of himself. And, uh, anytime you have, you know, a goalie like, like quick and, and Cal, um, you know, we have a chance and we, we have a extremely well-structured team. That's extremely well run. Like I said, top down, uh, Rob Blake does an incredible job. And then obviously Todd McClellan is no slouch of a coach. I mean, he's, he knows how to put a system together and I love the, the, the game we play. I'm a big believer in it and it's my first time playing in it, but I, but I absolutely love it. And, um, I, I really like this defensive style of hockey that, that we've been able to teach young kids how to do. And they're, they're all, they're all learning and including myself and we're only getting better at it. And, and it's, and it's fun. It really is fun to, uh, to be able to frustrate teams on, on the defensive side. And then when we're ready to go, go and, and go hard and effectively and, and be smart. And it's a fun, it's a fun game to play. Um, and, and I've, I've enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah, I had Todd in San Jose. He's a good coach. Good good yep. guy to play for. He rewards you for doing the right thing, and he holds everybody accountable. So I love that. So we every time we do an interview, Brandon, we always tease it on Twitter. What should we ask this guy? What do, what do you guys want to know about Brandon Lemieux? I just saw you licked your lips. I think you know which question's coming. Do you want, do you want, me, to, do you want me to ask it, or do you just want to start answering because like I, I'm, I'm not saying it was one or two. We had about 150 responses. 120 of them were about the Brady Kachuk finger scrum. What? Yeah. What can you say? Was it just a heat of the moment? Because I, I played against Max and Lapierre in Vancouver. Stuff happens, you know. No. no Do you want to talk about it? What? What's the whole? What's your side of the story here? Well, I mean, I haven't really gotten into it, frankly. Uh, well, no time like the goes. present. <laughs> um, but I, I'm going to get this question this year, so I, I, I don't really feel bad putting it out there now. Um, and and it was discussed, and, and the way the, this, the system works, uh, you know, I'm sure you've been in a hearing or two before. Yeah. Uh, they, they don't, it doesn't matter what happened to you. It's always about what you did. And so if it doesn't matter if you, you know, it's like when a ref calls a penalty, if you slash someone on the back of the legs uh, and then they turn and sucker you and they knock you out cold, they're not worried about the slash on the back of the legs. They're worried about the sucker punch. Right. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, listen, I had my hands tied up and. Uh, when a guy sticks his fingers in your eyes you don't have much choice. So I'm not going to get into what happened exactly, but I got my eyes gouged and, and I didn't have much of a choice. Um, whether, whether I bit him or my mouth was open or whatever you, people want to get into, that's fine. I, I, I could care less at this point, but what I do care about is uh, the, the narrative. And especially, you know, when you have a small market media team, as far as we are, not, not a small market, but a small market media. Yeah. Uh, and then we're, we're going up against, you know, two brothers running their mouth in the media in Canada. Um, I'm not going to try to fight that battle. And, and I don't care to talk to the media. I don't need to cry to the media or whine. Um, 
that's not my personality. I, I, I don't, I don't care for them or care about what people have to say about me on Twitter. Uh, but what I do care about is, uh, is my eyes and sticking up for myself and sticking up for my teammates. And that's what I'm always going to do. And so I'll do whatever is necessary at that point. And that's all I'll really say. I'm sure you've been in a scrum or two and you know what happens. Well, everything uh, happens in a scrum. I, I, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't need, I don't need, uh, I don't need any, as long as I got, I can use my hands, I'll be fine. But if my hands are tied up by a couple linesmen, he, he, stuff changes, it changes fast. So I remember one time I was at the bottom of a pile and I really wanted to get out. It was when I, Phil Kessel attacked me with a stick and I got jumped. Um, I was at the bottom of the pile screaming, um, my throat's cut and I'm bleeding really bad because I wanted to get up and go after somebody and no one would listen and everything happens under a pile. I'm getting punched in the throat, gouged, stuck, everything. Were you surprised that he's trying to gouge your eyes out at the bottom of the pile or the ref's not even doing anything? Were you saying like, Hey fellas, like help me out here. You got my arms tied up. Was I surprised? Yeah. Were you surprised? And were you asking for help at that point? Cause that's like your career. Oh. No, I wasn't surprised. Have you seen him play hockey? Not much, but now, yeah, okay. And his brother, no, I wasn't yeah. surprised. So is I there... wasn't surprised at all. Wow, I'm not. I'm not screaming. I, I don't cry to the refs. Like like get up and cry or or do that stuff. No, I don't need to. So I wasn't surprised. And uh, but that's that's the way it is. You know, it's modern day hockey. It, it uh, lines up with the with the with the world we live in today, right? You know, it's 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 softer, it's different, it's not the same game. And as far as the as far as the, you know, I, I would prefer there's none of that, right? I would yeah. rather we just stand up and go at it, and or if guys are rolling around, let them go at it, you know. And we can take care of ourselves. You, it's the hard part is when you when there's when there's and and the refs are taught to do that, and they're they're trained to do that, and the linesmen are trained to do that. So it's not on them at all. Uh, it's just when they get involved, it's hard to to make it even, right? Like yeah. you tie up one guy's arm and then one guy's got a free arm and he's hammering away. And when it, when, so it, it gets complicated and it's hard to deal with and there's no right or wrong answer, I think, but um, it can be hard for, it can be hard uh, and guys can get put in bad situations. And, and sometimes you got to do what you got to do to protect yourself in your career. So, well, yeah, that's where the respect factor comes in. And it's a, it's a new age. We're back in the day where if you're in a bad spot, the guys would know that and they would say, okay, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll square up another time. Crazy. Yeah. 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 And that's, and that's exactly why those, you know, that's why I wasn't surprised when he said what he said in the media. And that's why I wasn't surprised when he did what he did. And that's why I'm not, not surprised when I see much from those guys um, is because I haven't seen a lot of that from them. What did they say in the media? I don't even know. Were they just ripping you apart? Hey, you should look it up. I'm not going to repeat it. No kidding. Just blaming you left and right. I can only imagine. We had Brady on the show. I didn't even know. Well, that was before this whole incident. We'll have to. Would you? Let's get you and him on the show. To, oh my goodness, this could be. This could be fantastic. <laughs> but anyway, speaking of fighting, so you're a fighter. I'm a fighter. The show's called Dropping the Gloves. I love fighting. Who's the toughest guy in the league, and who's the toughest guys you fought? Because you fought Wilson, Borowicki. You fought all the tough guys in the league. Is there anybody that you won't fight in the, in the show? I wouldn't say I've fought all the toughest guys in the league. I think that that's a bit of a stretch, but I fought some tough guys. I think yeah. the toughest guy in the league I haven't fought most definitely. It's Curtis McDermott. 
Um, Nick Delorier and I go at it all the time. We haven't fought, but we've had our fair share of uh, FU matches and scrums and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I'd say Dermy's most definitely the toughest guy in the league. Uh, and I would say, uh, you know, obviously Reeves is up there, but I don't think he's in. I don't think anybody's in Dermy's uh, category as far as toughness and, and fighting and big size strength. Uh, but Borowiecki, as far as the middleweight, you know, heavyweight kind of crossover, uh, he's a good, tough little lefty. He's caught yeah. me a time or two. The Ritchie brothers can fight. You know, there's some tough. There's some tough guys. I think that Brett Ritchie's taking some guys' head off. Uh, in Calgary there. So there's some, mm-hmm. you know, there's still plenty of tough guys in this league and, and guys are in better shape than they've ever been. So. Cool. So we'll wrap it up with some rapid fire questions, just sort of like instant response. We're letting the fans get to know you a little bit better. Um, we've got six or seven here. The first one, what was your favorite subject in school? Oh gosh, Tim. History. Nice. Me too. Uh, celebrity crush. <laughs> oh God. And you're in LA. Uh, Celebrity crush would probably be Margot Robbie. If there was a movie made about your life, what actor would play you? <laughs> maybe that Chris Pratt. I would have said Chris Hemsworth. Oh, They'd maybe both that be good. Blonde hair. Who, yeah. Who's the most underrated player in the NHL? Isaac Lundstrom. <laughs> Jonathan Quick. Nice. Uh, Matthews or McDavid? Oh. McDavid. Who is the hardest defenseman to play against? Hardest? Uh, Hedman? And then last one, what was the best advice that you ever got? Um... Patrick Waugh told my dad he loved to say it, not too high, not too low, in a, maybe different words. And I try to use that as much as I can. One more question. Who would win in a fight in their prime, your dad or yourself? <laughs> my dad wasn't that tough. He was just uh, – He's scrappy. He wasn't, that good of a, he wasn't that good of a fighter. He was very tough. I Answer probably would beat him up. I would beat him up, but he scored a whole lot more goals than I ever will. <laughs> so the answer is you. Good answer. All right, Brendan, that was great, man. You're, you're probably one of the most honest, forthright person we've ever talked to. I love that. Thank you so All much right, for guys. coming on the show. Well, don't get me don't get me in too much trouble. I uh, I appreciate it, guys. That's awesome. No, good luck in LA this year. It was a blast talking to you, man. Go make sure your eyes all squared away, and we'll see you this season. Good luck, buddy. Oh, my he's so handsome. Even with the eye, it's crazy. I know. I, I my most underrated player deflected a puck in my eye. Quickie, yesterday. what are we doing here? That's why you stay away from the net. All right, Brennan. All right, thanks, guys. Man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. See you, buddy. Brennan. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.